With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey there, producer Drew here again. I am back to share another exciting announcement with you guys on next week's episode of The Pod. We'll be joined by another special guest, former Panthers quarterback Jake DeLome. He's going to sit down with Scott Fowler to talk about the state of the Panthers, Bryce Young, and much more. So make sure you guys mark your calendars for when that episode drops. And as always, we thank you all for listening. Now, let's get to this week's episode. All right, guys, we're back. Another episode of Processing Blue. Scott, the Panthers still have one win. Yes, they do, uh, Langston. I was in Tampa covering that game uh, Sunday for the Charlotte Observer, and it was, they are now 1-11. They found oh. another way to lose a close game uh, again. It was uh, third yeah. and one game on the line and fourth and one game on the line, and they throw two passes, and they've been running the ball so well. Did that surprise you at all? Yeah, and even in the press box, uh, I was I was, even before the third and one. I was sitting next to another writer, and I was like, "Well, they got to run here, right?" And they didn't, and then it was fourth and one, and I was like, "Well, good gracious, they're definitely going to run here, right?" And no, here he comes, you know, dropping back, and that's that's been you know, and they had they did score on the goal line uh, a couple of times with yes. Shubert Hubbard with yes. one yard runs, but they bungled another time when they had it down inside you know like the three and didn't score their short yardage offense is one of many problems and one of many times that i think if you're a panther fan you wish for cam newton because fourth and one with cam or third and one was because you know he's taking the shotgun snap usually and just bowling ahead and you know that's one that is not one of bryce young's skill set but this was that was really a case of the Panthers coaching staff, particularly Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator, who called both those plays, mm-hmm. uh, outsmarting themselves on that particular play. So in the offseason, the Panthers need to find the ghost of Jonathan Stewart to come back and, and be another big you know, big back on third and one. Yeah, or Deontay <laughs> Foreman. They had that guy last year. I mean, Foreman was good on uh, third and fourth and one. Big power guy, Derrick Henry type guy. Uh, you you need one of those and none of their backs are really that. That's I mean, right. they just, they aren't. So you I need, you need more for than one either. <laughs> oh no, no. It, although, I mean, I think he could, he could try it every now and then, but they obviously don't have made a pact with themselves not to do that. Could you they just push Bryce? Go? <laughs> well, he's light. I mean, you could see him. <laughs> It seems like he could, but of course they could probably push him backwards a little bit. I could like push up Bryce and throw him over the pile. (laughs) (laughs) He's pretty athletic. You know, and on that, um, remember the two point conversion they had, which was a good play. Yeah. Um, Nice play. Scrambles, but he's got the pass run option. That was a one yard play and they made that one and he pirouetted sort of and beat a guy. But on these, they were almost like, you know, drop backs and, I mean, immediately under pressure, roll to the right. right. I don't really blame him for that pick because you have to yeah, throw that ball 
Yeah, otherwise your the game's over regardless. So you just throw it up and hope you get maybe pass interference or something. But observation, observation. I want to see if you agree with this. Bryce Young is better when he throws the ball much faster. When it's like you know one Mississippi, two Mississippi out versus him kind of sitting there patting it. Once he starts patting it, the pressure's coming and it just seems like the completion rate goes down. I mean, that's my thirty thousand foot view. But do you agree with it? I agree. I think he's a more of a rhythm quarterback, like you say, Langston. Uh, there's some people who are so dangerous on the scramble, it gets worse for the defense. I think when Patrick Mahomes is running around or Aaron Rodgers was like that. Um, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, even last night uh, before he got hurt, looked like that too. Wow, when they're on the run, they've got four or five seconds. Even under duress, they're good. But Bryce... I think his strongest point is his accuracy. So if he's got someone open and he throws in two seconds, the rush hadn't had time to get there. And that's been a huge problem. He got sacked again, you know, four times in Tampa Bay. One more thing before we leave Tampa Bay, though, just to just to call it out before okay. we move on. At the end of uh, the first half, it was uh, fourth and 16 from the Panthers, 49. Mm. Three seconds left. No ego. <laughs> had to be the last play of the half. And instead of what, yeah, exactly, you're you're nodding. <laughs> instead of throwing the Hail Mary, which is a 50-yard pass, probably aren't, isn't going to work, but it also isn't going to be picked and run 100 yards. I mean, that happens one out of 10,000 Hail Marys. Yeah. You know, it working maybe, you know, works maybe 10 out of 100. Uh, they send Bryce directly back and he heaves it 30 yards out of bounds. I thought that was the silliest thing for a team that cannot score well, to be not even trying to, it was too long for a field goal it would have been, you know, 68 yards or something, but it could have been a chance to score three more points and three more points in this, you know, to get the pass interference call or something, three more points in this game would have been huge. Yes, um, so I thought another coaching miscue there. Scott, did you stay dry in Tampa? Because I don't remember a game with that much water. Oh, it was terrible. Watch it. I, uh, not for me. I was in the press box and I felt very guilty, uh, but not that guilty. The um, There was, uh, you know, it was completely bone dry in there, but people were soaked. At one point, Langston, I, I could almost count the people in the stands, you know, and I think there was about 500 in the entire stadium. There, you know, there were many thousands more in the concourse but they were all hidden they were not out there because of course in an nfl stadium you can't bring umbrellas so there's uh ponchos only and other than that uh you know we speaking of rainy games uh our producer drew reminds us that the new orleans saints game back here which was a happier ending Drew Brees was still the quarterback. Luke Keekley, I remember, made an unbelievable interception. Probably the rainiest game here I can remember. But that that game in Tampa was one of the rainiest uh, road games I've ever played. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So Brian Burns got ejected in the second half of that game. And then afterwards, he had a little bit of a cryptic message in the locker room. What happened there? Because we saw him kind of open hand slap a, a Saints, I mean, a, a Bucks offensive line. Yeah, uh, and he called it a punch, so I'm going to call it a punch, too. Uh, horse didn't hurt the lineman much. He hit him in the helmet, but still, you never can do that. And yeah. he, he apologized afterwards immediately. I'll give Brian Burns credit for this. He stood up in the locker room, you know, took the questions uh, and apologized. And I've seen players get ejected a number of times, and they, they hide they go in the training room. They don't address the media until, you know, four days later, trying to pretend like it didn't happen. Brian didn't. He took his medicine, and that was that. Now, as far as why, what he said in that locker room situation, which there was four or five of us clustered around him, was that some other Tampa Bay offensive lineman, not the guy he uh, punched, but another one said something he shouldn't have said. That's mm-hmm. the phrase he kept saying. Mm-hmm. Said something he shouldn't have said. Was it racially tinged? We asked a couple of times. Mm-hmm. He didn't say yes. He didn't say no. Mm-hmm. He didn't say who it was. So as you say, cryptic's a good word for it. Uh, he he didn't really say, but what he did say was, basically, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done it. They still played pretty decently on defense again without him. He was he was gone late in the third quarter and all the fourth. Uh, still only gave up 21, which for many NFL games, that will win you again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> 21 means you're going to lose that game, and they will. Yeah, the Panthers' offense is kind of like that old uh, lawnmower. You kind of crank, and it's... But, Scott, for a little while, it cranked. I mean, they had a couple of drives in there, you know, yeah. making throws. It runs like, like that old lawnmower. They're running at Steve Wilkes' running game. But they, they, yep. they moved the ball down the field. Was there is there hope in that, that, hey, this offense really might be able to work a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, they did suddenly realize that, uh, and they they kind of knew this before under Frank Reich, but there, this was the most obvious evidence of it, that Chuba Hubbard is right now your bell cow running back. He's your feature back. Yeah. And they gave him the ball more times than he's ever gotten it in a Panthers game before. They gave it to him 25 times uh, running the ball. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, McCaffrey-type numbers, and – he scored twice. He had 104 yards, very respectable. They ran the ball. Should have run it, of course, on one of those third or fourth down <laughs> and short plays. But I do think it gives a little hope that they figured out that kind of works. Also, the thing is, Langston, this offensive line blocks better for the run. Yes. As opposed to the pass. And well, so, like, well, they block better for the run, but more of a vertical straight-ahead run and not just – Yeah, yeah, between the tackles-type um, running game and, and Chuba's – like we say, you know, he's not he's not Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. But uh, he's not Cam, of course. But he does have a little – enough strength that he can get that one yard a lot of times. And so that at least was hopeful. Saw a couple of young players play, you know, make a couple of decent plays. That was 
Okay. And those two drives you mentioned, uh, one of those young players was Bryce Young and that he really had two fine drives, made some big time throws and key moments, scrambled a little bit and got him to two touchdowns, which if you can believe it, is the first time they'd scored two touchdowns since like October 15th. I didn't know that. That's insane, though. That's just terrible. DJ Chart got behind the defense twice. I know. Right. You just don't see that. (laughs) He got behind him and was hit with just a gorgeous pass. Yeah. Um, And they got, you know, yeah, Chark was good. Here's a stat, though, that, you know, one of the reasons you can say, what's going on? Why aren't they any good? Jonathan Mingo, who plays all the time. I mean, he plays 95% of the time, probably. Still hasn't scored all year. That's the rookie number two wide receiver. Not one touchdown. In this game, he had a, a chance at one and was tackled a little short. But uh, there's a place that you just – you can't have that. Uh, Chark, for, you know, the issues he's had, still has scored three touchdowns. Yeah. But uh, Mingo has not scored yet. And, of course, teams have learned now, let's shut out Adam Thielen and make him throw somewhere else. So the last two games for Thielen – have not been good at all because everyone recognizes that's Bryce's favorite target. Absolutely. Um, there's been some news this week, some reports that Jim Harbaugh is allegedly in Charlotte this week. Um, I don't know what that's going to mean. What do you think is going to happen with the coaching search with the Panthers, and is Harbaugh going to be part of it? I would think he's going to be part of it. I don't know whether or not that's true, what you mentioned about Charlotte, but I do think that he'll be at least – uh, there'll be some conversation. I'll say that. Uh, it makes much more sense to me that Harbaugh is maybe the hard-nosed uh, coach they pursue a little bit at least as to, opposed to Bill Belichick, which has been another rumor. But Bill Belichick's still under contract. I mean, he's in his 70s. And you would have to trade for him as opposed to just get him. Uh, Harbaugh, it would not be that situation. And we, it's been reported, you know, last year that Harbaugh had at least had conversation about the job the last time it came open. He played here briefly. People don't remember that because he never got in a game, but he was on the practice squad throwing the ball to Steve Smith, also playing scout team way back then in 2001. So he's got a little familiarity with Charlotte. Uh, he and Tepper at least know each other. I don't think that's their first choice. I think their first choice will be Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator. Didn't come but last year, though, Scott, didn't come. He didn't come last year, and I think he's ready. And and I think he'll also have other opportunities. Is the problem? You know, he'll have other chances. And of course, I think that'd be a great choice, which means Dave Tepper definitely will not do that. What about the defensive coordinator? Would you like to see him get a shot? Um. I mean, yeah, yeah, interviewed at least. I mean, EJ uh, has been part of several coaching interviews already. So I think certainly he should. He deserves an interview. Um, however, I'm not sure that's the way to go. I think I think you want someone who's, um, you know, maybe doing it, has had a little bit more success and is offensive-minded. I oh. think that's the key, where he's defensive-minded. I think you've got the next coach has to be a Bryce Young quarterback whisperer, which is what you Frank Wright one of those. Yeah, I know. We sure did. And now they're going to get another version of that probably. Um, is the, maybe new, coach, is the new coach going to have a new general manager? 
that's iffy. I don't know. Scott Fitterer is, um, you'd think the hanging by a thread, but it might be more like hanging by, you know, he may have a better shot, uh, than, than what we thought. Uh, obviously he, and you know, he did not get fired the same day Frank Wright did. So that means at least they're thinking about it. Otherwise you just do that the same. You could have done, he could have, Teppers could have easily done that. He didn't. Will Scott Fitterer lead this coaching search? He might, he might be part of it. Um, I think they'll hire a, you know, a search firm. Uh, not that that makes a ton of difference. You still have to make the decision yourself, but sometimes search firms are helpful and that they kind of, you know, they, my people talk to your people, et cetera. And, you know, there's layers and all that stuff and uh, maybe a few more checks and balances, yeah, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I think Fitterer is uh, is a coin flip right now. Scott, as we go ahead and look ahead look ahead to the seventh coach, accounting in rooms in Tepper's regime. How important is it that he gets this right? We've asked this question before, but I think that the fan base is probably really souring on the losing, the changing. Everything's always different um, in the stadium. You know, you look at the stadium and against bigger you know bigger name teams, it's a home game for those teams. So obviously, a lot of fans are kind of checking out. How important is it to get it right or risk losing the fan base for a longer period of time, not just one week, maybe a season? Sure. Uh, very important, as it always is. I mean, that the head coach and the quarterback, those are the – and the quarterback's number one, in my opinion, for the success of NFL – any NFL team. But uh, the head coach is, uh, you know, a close second. And so they've got to get it right. I mean, Dave Tepper said at that point, a contentious press conference I was I was part of, and not on a question I asked, obviously, because I didn't ask one. I <laughs> uh, wanted to. But uh, he did say in that that he wants the next head coach. He said he was, quote, extremely patient, which was, uh, you know, take that with for what you will. But he also said he wants the next coach to be here, quote, 20 to 30 years and to maybe give the eulogy at Dave Tepper's funeral. So he is really thinking far ahead on this guy. He wants a Mike Tomlin. He keeps trying to find one, well, uh, and he wants somebody to be here. hes I don't think he's getting any joy out of – Is uh, Mike Tomlin an offensive mind? Coaches. What's that? Is Mike Tomlin an offensive mind? Oh, well, I think Mike Tomlin is just too ensconced. Mike Tomlin can do anything. No, I'm just saying yeah. sometimes you just – Is he offensive mind? Yeah, I mean – yeah, I mean he's not you know he's not maybe thought of that way. He's just thought of as a as a guy who that's my point. It's great players and, yeah. and motivates them, and it doesn't matter. So Mike Tomlin would be fantastic, but there's no way you can lure him out. Of oh no, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying maybe just go get the best guy. Don't say you got to be this. Oh yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah, go get the best guy. Uh, whoever the next Mike Tomlin is, it really doesn't matter that much, right? I mean, you're going to have a offensive coordinator probably a new one and the quarterbacks coach those are going to be the ones working with Bryce yeah. all the time yeah but they fired the quarterbacks coach too Josh McCown 11 games into his NFL head coaching career so obviously they weren't happy with what was going on there so also Bryce's will have a you know they're all going to change I think the, the offensive coordinator obviously will change too so it's going to be all new for Bryce next year they got to get it right Things you only learn on the Panthers process of blue podcast that Jim Harbaugh used to be scout team quarterback throwing the ball to Steve Smith. So you got to check the <laughs> scout file every week. Uh, Scott, what's Chris Tabor like, the interim coach? What's he like? And uh, does he have any chance to be the head coach? 
it, it's been interesting to watch that Langston because I don't, you know, we just don't get enough around these assistants too often to know too much. So we've seen him in the spotlight the last two weeks. I would say he's uh, well-liked well, in the locker room, uh, a good motivator. He's got a good attitude about it. He keeps telling him to relax and have fun and play loose and those sorts of things. Um, he's very careful. I have not heard him say one thing yet in a press conference that's even a little bit memorable. I mean, like his press conference after the game was three or four minutes long, Frank Reich's were usually at least 10. And that was partly because he answers questions, a lot of questions with, um, I know you're not going to like this answer, or this is coach speak, but well, and then says something like one day at a time, or it is what it is. <laughs> so he's, so people like, I, you know, I've already grown a little bit tired of probably asking him questions. Hopefully he'll improve a little bit on his, uh, on the media uh, yeah. part of things. I think it would make the team uh, more interesting if, if he, you know, just had a couple of more things to say. Sure, sure. Does he have any chance of the job? I guess that's a short answer. And my answer to that would be no. Well, he is uh, the interim coach and the, I would say the interim coach only unless by some miracle, they win the last five games in a row or something like that. It's not going to happen. Uh, yeah. Is the team responding to him any differently than they have responded previously? Do you see a, a I don't know, a, a refreshed uh, group of guys? No, really, no. I see the same group of guys. Group of guys. I think I think they were trying hard before uh, with Frank. I think they tried hard this week too. I think the the biggest issue is talent. They don't mm. have enough. Yeah. And so you can try as hard as you want to, you know, if you're a bunch of five, 10 guys playing against six, eight guys in an NBA game, you're probably going to lose. And that's a little bit like what they've got here. Um, Scott, is this a major miscalculation? Because in the preseason, you know, we had, we were talking about this team had talent and they were, you know, not deep, but they had talent. Or was this just a major miscalculation on the part of, of the front office? I think so. I think it was, and and I'm part of the media too, which hadn't seen these guys. You know, I was much more bullish about them, obviously, in you know August than I was now. I picked them, I think, to go seven and ten before the preseason began, which um, they would, you know, they'd love to get to half those number of wins now. Yeah, the three and a half wins that'd be tough, but yeah, but yeah, they uh, they, the, I was fooled a little bit too, but they just think there's a miscalculation, especially on the offensive line where they have had some injuries, but also the guys who they who have played every game, Ike Aquanu, Taylor Moten, Bradley Bozeman, uh, guys like that, they haven't played very well either. They've That offensive line has regressed, and if your lines aren't good, uh, you just don't have much chance in the yep. NFL. That's where, to me, the that's the number one issue right now. Peter King, noted NFL writer, um, made a comment about your good friend uh, David Tepper this week, called him the Steinbrenner of football. And I guess that's saying he's involved a little too much. Um, your reaction to that and, you know, how did the Panthers handle the David Tepper issue? Peter King is, yeah, I mean, he's one of the most noted NFL writers uh, really ever. If you never read his stuff before, you should. He's uh, he used to be Sports Illustrated's lead NFL writer for many years. Now he does his own column for I think NBC Sports. Yes. He called him. It was even worse than the Steinbrenner football. He called him Steinbrenner without the winning. So Steinbrenner, <laughs> you know, changed managers, 
legendarily like every year and hired Billy Martin like five or six times or something. Yeah. But they also won a pennant like every yeah. second or third year under yeah. Steinbrenner. And um, so he was he was perceived as a character. But, you know, I think a lot of people would still say they like George Steinbrenner, but that was partly because he won so much. That's what would happen with Dave Tepper if they were winning getting to a Super Bowl every third year, he would just be perceived as a character. They go, oh, I mean, I like the guy. He says what he means. You know, he's blunt. He's charismatic. All that stuff is true, but he's also 30 and 64. And so that's why he's not popular. That's the bottom line. The rest of it would, I think, fade away a little bit if suddenly next season they went, you know, 13 and four but they won't and that's the problem you know they just they keep losing and losing so yeah that that is a column worth looking at peter king's uh there's a lot more in there about tepper if you scroll down he's written a long section of his views and he's he's got a real national view on you know kind of where tepper fits in he also had a great stat in there langston about christian mccaffrey oh mccaffrey since he got traded which peter thinks that the mccaffrey trade was you know a real loaded in favor of San Francisco oh, yeah. right now. It has been um, in 25 games with the 49ers since he left here, he has scored 30 touchdowns, What 30 touchdowns in 25 wow. games. I mean, this team, you know, is fortunate to score one a game yes. yeah. without him. So yeah, he's really spread his wings out in San Francisco and good for Christian. I mean, he was stuck with a tough situation here for, for a number of years, but but bad for the Panthers because they sorely missed him. Maybe one day in an alternate universe, David Tepper will sit down for one of your famous uh, sports legends, the Carolina interviews. But I know right now you have a book signing coming up this week. Can you tell the folks about it? Sure. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Um, Tepper, I'd be happy to do that. He's got to win probably two Super Bowl rings first. But then I think, <laughs> then, with, then yeah, it'd be, it, he would be considered a sports legend. Um, Sports Legends of the Carolinas has been a fun series. We've interviewed 33 sports legends so far. And um, this weekend on Saturday at Audi Charlotte, which has sponsored our latest episode of Sports Legends of the Carolinas, uh, at Audi Charlotte, which is on Independence <laughs> Boulevard, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. this Saturday, I'll have Armani Edwards, the former star Appalachian State quarterback, with me. Uh, who also, of course, played for the Panthers for a while, has some very interesting stories about that. It wasn't as fun for him, certainly, as it was at App State. But if you're an App State fan, you can come meet and greet Armani Edwards at uh, Audi, Audi Charlotte, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on Saturday. That's awesome. Also, the Sports Legends book in general is, is around sportslegendsbook.com. Sportslegendsbook.com, you can get it there. And the series which is an interview series and a podcast and so on, all done under the Observer umbrella like this, uh, will resume uh, in 2024, I'm happy to say. There you have it. And it makes a great Christmas book, guys. You know, get to buy it for the Christmas present for your, your loved one. Um, all right, guys, thank you all for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe and follow us wherever you get your podcast. For those of you who are watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and click on the bell icon to get notified whenever the new episode is ready. And uh, thanks again for watching. I'm Langston, that's Scott, and this is Processing Blue.